0: You're listening to a podcast edition of Closer to Truth. For more information about this series, visit our website, closertotruth.com.
1: Consciousness drives me nuts. Is mental activity entirely the product of brain function? That's the assumption of many brain scientists who take mind to be a mystical name for natural brain output. My search in life began as a graduate student in brain research. Idealistic and naive, I thought that understanding the brain, the most complex form of matter we know in the universe, could provide clues of meaning and purpose What I did not appreciate was that mental activity is one thing, and consciousness, quite another. Consciousness is what mental activity feels like inside. The private inner experience of sensation, thought, and emotion. Consciousness is like nothing else, and I need to face up to it. I'm Robert Lawrence Kuhn, and Closer to Truth is my journey to Confront Consciousness. To me, confronting consciousness means facing the self-evident but wildly bizarre fact that what we experience is an inner show. There is nothing anywhere, as far as we know, that is even remotely like our subjective awareness. What is this inner show, this subjective awareness? I speak with brain scientists and philosophers. I begin with a scientist noted for seeking the neural correlates of consciousness. What happens in the brain when we experience in our minds. Caltech professor Christoph Koch. Christoph, what is it about consciousness that provokes such radically different ideas about what it really is? What is it?
2: Well, I mean, what's different about consciousness than anything else, it has its uh, subjective aspect that nothing else in the universe seems to have. So we, we scientists are very good at studying these objective properties, like a, we can study a black hole, we can study a virus, we can study a brain. They have math, they have energy, you can poke them, you can analyze the wiring screen. But what the brain has, it also has these subjective f- feelings, pain, pleasure, seeing red, smelling mom's apple pie. And it's not at all clear, there seems to be an explanatory gap between the physics of the brain on the one hand and these conscious sensations. My brain is subject to the same laws of physics as my liver is, or my heart is, or my leg, but none of those things seem to generate consciousness.
1: Well, the argument is that we're so early in the process, how could you say that we won't uh, eventually figure out how some circuitry lends itself to these properties?
2: Well, so some philosophers take this defeatist point of view and they argue that we shall never know because conceptually they don't see any way how the world of physics can be linked with the world of conscious sensation. It seems to be world apart, there is this chasm, this explanatory gap between them and they, they don't see how those can be bridged. Do you agree with that? No, I don't. And ultimately, science will be able to explain consciousness. It might take a, a reformulation of, uh, of certain aspects of science, but I think science is up to the challenge. So that's a reductionist position
1: where reductionist means that you'll be able to explain this subjective feeling of consciousness
2: in terms of the basic physics laws that we know. I don't think of it that way, because we might have to enhance those laws of physics. There might be something new that that we need to introduce in order to have a fully formulated uh, view that includes consciousness. So would that
1: mean that consciousness is an ultimate fact that would be irreducible without that new formulation
2: that you need? I do believe that's the case, but that's not universally held. Other people who study consciousness, Consciousness, think of it as an emergent phenomena. You take one neuron, you don't get consciousness. You take two or three or four, you don't get consciousness. You take 100 billion, roughly, that's the number we have in our brain, and then you get consciousness. And this is really the standard view of most neuroscientists, right? Correct. That consciousness is an emergent phenomena.
1: And if I recall correctly, sitting in this room together with you four or five years ago, that was your view, that consciousness is, is an emergent property. We don't understand it yet,
2: but we will, and we don't need anything more. Well, so today I would say, I would take this more refined point of view, uh, <laughs> that it's both. In other words, that we do need to introduce something in, into the universe. Let's call it experience or integrated information that's that's fundamental to the universe. But would you need something beyond the traditional four forces of physics? Well, it's not a force of physics. You need some additional assumption, yes. Ultimately, the the right idiom to talk about consciousness, I think, is, is uh, information theory. Because ultimately, it's not the stuff that brains are made out of that is important for consciousness. It's a relationship of the stuff inside my head. It's not the fact that it's a bilipid membrane and squishy, you know, and squishy nerves. I think in principle, this could also be silicon and titanium in a a computer. But ultimately what matters is the fact that it's an enormously complex network and it's heavily interlaced and heavily interconnected. And this complexity, this is what consciousness amounts to. So this theory asserts then that, that anything that's sufficiently complex has some conscious sensation. That sounds very radical. Well, you can go back, uh, you can think of it as their ancient precursor for this. Uh, for example, this one of this theory would imply some sort of psychism in a sense that consciousness can be found everywhere where you have complexity. You have a little complexity in a tiny worm, and then there could be a t- tiny, you know, atom of consciousness there, and you have these vastly hypertrophic um, networks in our brain, there's vast amount of consciousness. And maybe in some future point, when all the planet gets interlaced in some hyper internet, then that might also have its consciousness of its own. Because you have to explain most of the Christoph, you know, what?
1: what? Introduce a, a fundamental new mind principle so, or force like like in all the, all the universe? All. I'm in shock. Last time we spoke, five years ago, he told me, energetically, that consciousness was an emergent property of brains and of brains alone. Now he tells me that to explain consciousness, we need to introduce something new into the cosmos, which he calls experience or integrated information. In my world, This is big news. A departure from the radical materialism that characterizes many brain scientists. A rejection of the creed that nothing exists other than the physical laws of nature. Do other brain scientists have similar doubts? I meet Baylor neuroscientist, David Eagleman. David calls himself a possibilian embracing science while exploring new, unconsidered ideas about the nature of the world. David, what
3: is consciousness? Consciousness, the thing that flickers to life when you wake up in the morning, that's the smallest bit of what's happening in the brain. It's something that rides on top of a massive amount of machinery. It's successive levels of abstraction of all that machinery running underneath. So you've got very basic things like when I lift a coffee to my mouth, you know, there's a whole lightning storm of neural activity that underpins that act. I'm not aware of any of that in my consciousness because I don't want to be. All I want is a very high level abstract representation, which is am I succeeding or am I spilling it on myself? That's all I want to know. Consciousness is like the CEO of a company. So if you think of a massive company with 100,000 employees, the job of the CEO is to sort of do the long-term vision planning and think about where the company's going and so on. Exactly the same with consciousness. If all my motor actions, if everything's going as expected, I don't even have to be very conscious. If I'm driving home from work and it's a drive I've made every day, I'm almost a zombie. It's only when something surprising happens that the CEO has to sit up and say, okay, what's going on? And start searching through the, the system to figure out how to steer things. When you look at the CEO of a company, he or she gets credit for sort of making the decisions of the company. But there's a very real sense in which he or she is tied into the company. The CEO can't make some completely radical departure from the core competency of the company, right? The CEO feels like, okay, I've got free will, but he doesn't actually. What is it that steers our behavior? It's what we think of as the conscious mind and all the unconscious machinery. They're tied in as one big system with all sorts of loopy feedback. Giving you that, they're really
1: two separate issues though. One is behavior, the other is what it feels like inside because we can easily imagine a behavioral system to to work exactly as you said, that is purely mechanical, purely robotic, nothing inside the so-called philosophical zombie.
3: In fact, most of our behaviors are exactly that. And not only what you do, but also what you believe, what you think, how you act. All the stuff is generated by parts of the machinery we don't even have access to. Now your other question is, why does it feel like something? That we don't know. And not only do we not have a theory of that, but we don't know, we don't know what such a theory would even look like. Right. Because nothing in our modern mathematics says, okay, well, do a triple integral and carry the two, and then here's the taste of feta cheese. Of course, people are searching for the neural correlates of consciousness, because we say, hey, this set of Christmas trees lights lights up when you're conscious of this or that, but it still leaves us feeling quite empty as far as why it feels that way.
1: And the fundamental philosophical question, can Christmas lights lighting up in the brain ever be about something or have a content feel to it?
3: Right. I don't see how now that is either A, a limitation of my imagination, or B, what it tells us is that, you know, although materialism is sort of what's taken for granted in the field, meaning that we can take all the pieces and parts of the brain and put them together in this vast, complicated network and get consciousness, it might mean materialism is wrong. We don't actually know for certain. Now, the reason neuroscientists generally subscribe to materialism, and the reason we go into lab every day and act as though it's true, is because we have a million examples where if you damage the brain, that changes the person. It changes their conscious state, right? So there's this irrevocable relationship between the biology and conscious state. But that doesn't actually mean materialism has to be true. There are alternative theories that could be the case. I'm not saying I've subscribed to these series, but let me just say, agnostically, that it is perfectly possible. Um, There's so many good examples so I'll just give one. I, I consciousness say, as uh,
1: CEO, not bad, David. But to explain the inner subjective feeling of consciousness, David hasn't a clue, nor, he says, does anyone else. I agree. Brain science is hugely successful in explicating aspects of consciousness, but makes no progress in elucidating consciousness itself. We're going to be on some in seeking new perspectives of consciousness, I've often learned about normal brain function from tragic cases of brain dysfunction, deficits, defects, injuries. I visit an expert on the cognitive disabilities in congenital brain malformation. Warren Brown is professor of psychology at Fuller Theological Seminary, where we meet.
0: Consciousness is a mystery. I don't think it's as great a mystery as some people make it out to be. I do think it is a phenomena. Our brain function is emergent, in a sense, from our brain function. Uh, you can see that in problems of brain disorder that reduce consciousness in some way. So you brainstem, you know, you, a damage, you lose consciousness. Uh, hallucinogenic drugs, you have this massive impact on consciousness. And then consciousness as a phenomenon itself. I think there's starting to be some pretty good theories about how this might take place within the context of patterns of electrical activity modulating over the surface or in the cerebral cortex, networks that form that, that are active for a moment and give us that moment of consciousness. Consciousness to me has got to include uh, working memory, that is those things we hold in mind at the moment in order to manipulate them in some way. And so I don't think consciousness is something out here divorced from its engagement in regulation and manipulation and formulation of action in the world. So we have to act, and our consciousness allows us to maybe even run a scenario of some possible action in the future while I'm sitting here doing nothing. For me, in the context I work, I work with people without the major structure that interconnects the two cerebral hemispheres, the corpus callosum. They have been born without that, so it's a congenital abnormality. 200 million neurons are just not there. The two hemispheres are not well connected. They can be in the normal range of tested intelligence, but they nevertheless have issues. And they have issues, for example, in the understanding of the second order meaning of language. So if I use a metaphor, a person without the corpus callosum understands the concrete part of the metaphor, but they may not understand Stand the second level of meaning. Okay. They're plenty conscious, plenty self-aware, but there's a whole lot of stuff going on that f- would be part of the consciousness of somebody with a corpus callosum, which might also involve some emotional engagement in the situation because of that. That they would not be a part of their consciousness. Okay. So, what are the implications of that for the for the core?
1: concept of consciousness?
0: I think consciousness is a term we use to identify a sort of an emergent conglomeration of all some kinds of things that are particularly apparent and useful at the moment mm-hmm. and and engage us. So you can take the word consciousness and put it out here in an abstract box, and then it becomes a problem. But if you break down the box and say, well, it's not one thing, it's it's a network of things and it's a property that merges out of a lot of things, then it becomes a little less mysterious. Still mysterious, but a little less mysterious. Warren
1: is less mystified by consciousness than I am. Why? As a cognitive neuroscientist, he sees the direct and consistent relationship between brain structure and mental capacity especially in brain abnormalities. That's why. My neuroscience background is similar, so why am I more bothered when confronting consciousness? Is it because I desire existence beyond the physical and therefore seek solace in consciousness? Perhaps I'm impatient, but why does consciousness seem of a totally different category And try as I have for decades, I cannot remotely imagine how physical matter can become mentally aware. So venturing from brain science, I speak to a philosopher and theologian who believes that consciousness involves some kind of non-physical aspect or non-physical component. I go to Oxford to speak with the former Regis Professor of Divinity, Keith Ward. Keith, what is consciousness? How can we begin to define what that internal subjective feeling really is?
4: I think I'd just say consciousness is uh, the immediate awareness of objects. And uh, those objects could be physical objects. If you're looking at things, there could be thoughts. Thoughts are objects of consciousness. And there is someone who is conscious of those objects. So you seem to have a subject being aware of uh, various different sorts of objects. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you can get any simpler than that. You just have to say, well, very simple concepts are not further analyzable. And we know what they are, how. In consciousness, <laughs> because we're conscious of them. So it's a basic term, really. It's like reality. See, what is reality? Well, you're a bit stuck because it's so general. Well, some cognitive psychologists would point to different brain
1: systems that can be separated through injury or through artificial
4: stimulations. And so what you think is this unified whole turns out not to be. Well, uh, okay, but you're still learning that that's true by being conscious of it. All knowledge begins with experience, that is, with consciousness. That's where it begins. And it can't ever take you to a place which undermines consciousness itself. If somebody comes up with a theory which shows that consciousness is an illusion, there's something wrong with them. Because (laughs) uh, against what are you measuring that illusion? Some people say consciousness is an illusion. Others would say that at the very
1: least it's not fundamental. It's something that is the, the froth on the wave. We have this feeling that my conscious is in charge of doing things, but at best it's just aware of what my brain is doing.
4: Well. Theories about the brain are very little known by most people. Most people don't even know uh, how the brain works. Whereas consciousness is more fundamental than that. Uh, everybody knows what consciousness is. When you wake up in the morning, you're conscious. When a lot of neuroscientists now say, what is the problem of consciousness? What they mean is, how does the way the brain works correlate with what we're conscious of? I mean, it's a problem to them, but it's not a problem to you. It's not a problem to anybody, really, <laughs> apart from somebody who, who's got a theory that the brain is producing uh-huh. this thing that they want to explain in materialist terms. It's got yeah. to be a material thing uh, somehow.
1: So consciousness becomes a mystery when you, are, when you insist on explaining it in material terms, according to you. If, you, yeah. if, if you're willing to go beyond that, it's, it's no problem.
4: It's no problem. <laughs> it's just a straightforward thing uh, of th- that is fundamental to the whole of your knowledge. So you cannot do away with it and still claim to be knowing something. You take consciousness to a much higher level. How do you see consciousness on a grand scale. What sorts of consciousness could there be? Do, do all consciousnesses have to be like ours? I mean, are dogs conscious in the same way that we are? Are ants conscious? Very interesting questions. I think they're real questions which we aren't able to answer. So you can ask about super-consciousness too. Could there be a consciousness very much more aware of things than we are? So could there be a one cosmic consciousness which is aware of everything that was going on in the universe? You don't have to call that God, though people like me would. Uh, but if you say, is it possible? Well, if you start from saying that consciousness is what is the most obvious and real thing there is, then it is possible there could be sorts of consciousness which embraced uh, knowledge of everything. You uh, go beyond uh, possible, you believe it to be the case. Yes. though. I can't say I have the same sort of certainty about that as I do about the fact that I am now awake, but I think it's a good possibility. And then for other reasons, not just for that reason alone, I think um, that there actually is such a consciousness, a divine consciousness. To Keith, consciousness is a first principle,
1: the foundation from which we understand everything so that to try to understand consciousness itself makes no sense. I'd like to accept this exaltation of consciousness. It'd be what I'd want, something non-physical. But the shortcut, I fear, could be a short circuit. What to do with disruptions and disturbances of consciousness or multiple personalities? Why such divergence among experts? Is there any common ground? Perhaps the problem lies in confused thinking about consciousness. Could a careful description help? I ask a philosopher of mind at Oxford who argues for the unity of consciousness, Timothy Bain.
5: I think there are three ways in um, into thinking about what consciousness is. One way in is the use of synonyms. So we can talk about experience, awareness. The problem with the use of synonyms is uh, one can be as puzzled as to what they mean as, as what consciousness means. The second way in is via the use of paradigms, examples, exemplars. So if you say you, you're new to the society and someone says, you're talking about fish, you know, what does this word mean? We say, well, that's a fish. You give them a salmon, you give them a trout. Yeah. Right? And we can do that with consciousness, uh, in some sense by pointing inwards, um, which is part of the problem, because I can only point inwards to my own mind. It's a little bit harder to point inwards to yours, but I can direct your attention so to features say, of the world. The, the, the sight of red or the smell of cheese? Exactly. So that was the second. A third is you rely on your theory to really tell you the borders of the concept. Mm. Um, so with, with, with biological notions like mammal or fish, You know, these are common-sense words that we used before the science of biology, zoology, really got going. Um, And people would talk about fish or talk about mammals. So, you know, we know that a lion is not a fish. And then you get a theory, you get a taxonomy, you get an account of how different forms of life are related to each other. And you say, well, given that, it makes sense to use the word fish for these things. So your definition falls out of your theory. But you can't do that until you've got a theory that everyone's happy with. And of course you need enough agreement on the particulars to get the theory, right? Because if if I'm someone who says consciousness is really sensory, it's perceptual, there's no really purely distinctively cognitive consciousness, um, if that's my view and you're what I would call a liberal and you say, yeah, there's a what it's likeness to thinking and that's got a distinctive phenomenology, then when we go to develop our theories, We've got very different evidence bases. We might hit on the same underlying theory of what phenomenal consciousness is, but we might not. The science of consciousness is so immature, um, and there are so many fundamental disputes. So, what we need to find are very general properties of consciousness. And once we've got those, then we're going to be in a better position to find um, the underlying theories. Some would say that just indicates you don't know what you're talking about. There's a fundamental sense in which we don't know what we're talking about. I think we, we need to be honest. Um,
1: but we can still make progress.
5: We, we hope that we're heading in it. A...
1: Of all that we know, consciousness, and only consciousness, can adjudicate between competing worldviews. Is reality entirely physical? The material world, all that exists? Or does reality reach to the non-physical? Do things exist beyond the material world? We can speculate on gods, spirits, forces, cosmic resonances, and such. But consciousness differs from these, consciousness we can study in brains. If consciousness turns out to be purely physical, then I bet so is everything else. I'd be surprised if consciousness were entirely material and, say, God were to exist, because consciousness would then seem too similar to a non-physical God and too odd in the physical universe. On consciousness, only my vacillation seems closer to truth.